0: All right, so welcome everybody. I think I'm, uh, I'm a little shocked and overwhelmed. This was awesome to have this many folks that wanna come in and talk about marriage. And not just folks that's been married a little while, we've even got some young people in here that aren't married. So it's, it's great to have the opportunity to, not to tell them stuff that y'all wanna tell them. No, we're gonna talk about what the scriptures say about marriage, but really talk about the meaning of marriage. What's it about? Who designed it? Why is it important? What is uh, the impact on our society today when we look at marriage? What's going on out there and how does that tie together? So we want to talk about all of those things, and what we've got here, uh, basically, I know some people ask about a book, I don't recommend you get the book, it's like a video-driven series, I'd use this as an outline. The biggest thing we're going to talk about is in here, and I hope most of y'all got one, because this is going to be the the meat of where we go, is right in in the Word of God. And so the, uh, sort of what we're going to try to do here, the goal I have, is like from 7 o'clock to 7.05-ish, we're going to do like a little welcome intro type series, and then we're going to teach for 25 minutes or so. I'll try to keep everybody awake. And if you had a bunch of potato soup, there's potential you're gonna nod off. So I'll try to yell occasionally to make sure everybody stays awake. But the goal is to teach for about then. And then we're gonna divide into three groups. We're gonna use this class for one, and we've got two other classes. And we're gonna divide the groups sort of in this manner. We're gonna use married folks in here and in there. And anybody that's single is gonna come over with me into this other room because there's a little bit of a difference in there, right? So we wanna make sure that y'all have the format to talk and then the single people have a format to talk about what we've learned tonight. Does that make sense? So that's sort of our format of what we're gonna do. This is a 12-week class. So we start tonight, we'll go through the end of March. If you can come every time, that's great. If you can't, come when you can, right? The goal is for you to be doing what? Learning, being a disciple, right? All of those kind of things. That's the goal here is to make sure we are discipling each other, discipling us with the Word of God. So that's sort of the format we've got. And we haven't got it announced out to the church yet, but what we're planning on doing that last weekend in uh, March is we're going to do a marriage conference. So we're going to take all we've learned over 12 weeks, and y'all are going to teach it. Nobody amen me on that one. I'm really (laughs) disappointed. I know we have somebody, another pastor, that's willing to come in, him and his wife, and they're going to talk to us about marriage. And we're going to try to have, like, a family weekend. So we have a marriage conference and then have, on Saturday, have the kids come in as well, have somebody talk to the kids and the youth and all of us because we all... Need it. Any of y'all need talking to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least one of you's honest. That's good. So, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to open up and do God's purpose and plan for marriage. And we're going to go all the way through. Again, this is a, a study that was about six weeks long. And I've just supplemented it because there's a whole lot of topics around marriage we need to talk about. So, you're going to have a little bit of overlay, but not a whole lot. Okay? So, that's sort of the format of where we're going. Anybody got any questions? Y'all come on in. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: There's a big chair up here. If somebody really wants to. I mean, I expect There's somebody to be sitting in that one. That huge spot, right? There's two right here on the front row. And I promise I try not to spit a whole lot. I really do calm it down. I'll save it for right here. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: all right. So, what we're going to do, I'm going to start this here first. And what I want to try to do, I know a lot of y'all signed up, but what I'm asking for. Is like a name, if it's a couple, you can just put your last name, if there's two of you, and an email that one of you check, uh, so like, for me, I wouldn't tell Anita to put her email here, because she's not going to look at it most of the time, because, you know, there's differences when you're married, but an email, because what I want to do is send you some stuff before the weekend, sort of like a little recap, hey, this is what we learned, and then maybe a question, then maybe, something for you maybe do, to talk about, to apply what we've learned, because one of the worst things we have in church is we learn a lot. We sit down and we go through the scriptures, but then we don't do what? We don't do it, right? We, t- we talk about it, but we don't actually <laughs> apply it. So the goal is for us to apply these things in marriage. So I'm gonna start with Jeff here. I'll actually, I'll the <laughs> And we'll pass that around. And like I said, we're gonna go at about 7.30, 7.35. We're gonna divide up into groups. Uh, I've got some folks here that's gonna facilitate the questions, question and answer session here at the end. Not too many answers from y'all, just the opportunity for y'all to talk about it, right? That's the goal. <laughs> Alright, so the three things we're going to talk about here, the main important things we're talking about, is God designed marriage from the beginning. Before I do that, one thing we should do first is we should do what? Pray. Pray. We should pray. So let's take this a moment and let's pray and ask God to bless us here. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this great opportunity. God, thank you for all these folks who've been willing to uh, invest their time, Lord, to come in, to learn, Lord, to apply the, the precepts of Scripture, Lord, to their marriage. For those folks who aren't married, Lord, they want to learn about what they should be when the time comes. God, I pray, Lord, as we uh, have some time here together, I pray, Lord, you give us uh, just some time to, to quiet our hearts in this moment. I know for me, I've had meetings up to 6.15, and it's been a, just a whirlwind day, God. So I pray you would still our hearts. You would take those things that uh, have uh, beset us today, those things that have taken our minds off of who you are, Lord. those things, Lord, that we've we failed you. God, I pray all those things, Lord, would take all them and would set them behind us. And God, we would lean into what your word has to say. We would lean in, God, to hear what you would have to say to us tonight, God. Thank you for the game, for this opportunity. Thank you for marriage, God, the building block that you provided for us, for our communities and for our churches. More than anything, God, we want to thank you for Christ. God, we're so thankful for the sacrifice that he made on the cross for our sins. And we pray all this in his name. Amen. All right, sometimes I get so busy and my mouth talks so much I can't keep up with things. Y'all ever have that issue, or is that just me? Mm-hmm. Hey, Sydney, y'all come on in. There's a seat somewhere. There's one right there. Well, I'm going to go with the kids. I just want to jump Oh, you're awesome. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, the three things we're going to start off with. God designed marriage when? In the beginning, right? Did he wait till afterwards? No, he's an all time God. He did it from the beginning. The next thing is we're going to talk about the primary pur- purpose of marriage is to reflect God's glory, not to give you benefit. The primary purpose of marriage is to actually reflect God's glory. And then the last thing we're going to cover, it's important to receive your spouse as God's perfect gift to you. Society will tell us there's this one perfect one just roaming around out there. Nope, ain't none of you perfect. All of you jacked up, every one of you. But God takes that, and guess what? If we receive our spouse as God's perfect gift, they can become that perfect gift that we need. Cicero says the first bond of society is marriage. Marriage is known as the fundamental building block of civilization. What do you think happens to a civilization when 50% of those building blocks get eroded or torn down? It's going to fall, right? Where are we at? And where, why are we where we're at in society right now? Marriage. We need to, be able to understand what marriage is. So <laughs> I, I find it interesting. I did a little study here, and it said, list the top reasons... People married. And I thought, well, there's only going to be one or two. I think I've got 12. I'm like, that's pretty amazing. Lots of people get married for different reasons. The first one was love. Uh, I don't want to say the definition of when they say love, what that actually meant to them. Uh, the next one was companionship. Number three was to signify a lifelong commitment. Number four was to, for security for children. Number five was to make a public commitment to each other. About 77% of people. Number, si- number six was for legal status or financial security. Man, I can claim this person on my taxes. That's what I've been looking for, right? That's a perfect spouse, right? 62% said religious beliefs. 50% said family pressure, or you could put in parentheses, shotgun wedding, right? And then the summit was just a desire for a special occasion. It had this wonderful, beautiful thing called marriage. And divorce rates tell us what? Despite all those reasons, many marriages don't make it. We need to follow God's design for marriage, not our feelings, not our needs. Now, I did a word study in the scriptures. I'd like to know how many times is marriage mentioned, all those different things. Marriage is mentioned only 28 times in the Bible. I thought it'd be more. Uh, That's a new King James, because if you put a different version in, guess what? It'll tell you different things, right? 11 times in the Old Testament, 17 in the New Testament. It's amazing that it's not mentioned because God started in the beginning and then he didn't change it. So what's the need to t- keep telling people, hey, this is what I mean, right? Sometimes we need to make sure we follow that. So the purpose of marriage, marriage is not primarily about you. I know this is shocking for some of you, especially somebody who has been married for a while, right? <laughs> marriage ain't about you. Is it about your spouse then? Everybody take your head and go, no, right? It's about who then? It's about God. It's just as important for each of you to become the right person as it is to find the right person. Oftentimes in marriage or even in relationships, when you have a good friend or somebody, you often want to say what to them? You want to say, hey, if you would just do this, it would be better for you, right? What happens in this? Is there a scripture y'all can think of where we're talked about, you know, about something we might need to do in ourselves versus in others? Tells us to make sure we pull what? The whole log out of our eye before we do what? Try to find that little speck in the others. Even though we see that speck so much better than our log. How does that work? I, I don't know. It's a vision issue, right? The myth of the one, that one amazing unicorn person that's out there waiting for you, that's, a, that's just a myth. It doesn't exist. There's not, God did not design some perfect person that's going to exactly do everything for you out there wandering around in the world, and your job is to find that person. That's, that's not true. That's not correct. Guess what? The one you married, or the one that God brings your way, is the one with whom you're to make a life. Right? The ultimate purpose of marriage, it doesn't say that, is to reflect God's image. Hey, Joel, you can sit right here if you want to. Okay. Oh. So, let's continue here. I've got a couple things before we get down to the scriptures. Marriage reflects to the world God's promise to be with us and to redeem us. Marriage is a reflection of God's love and picture of creation, because he did what in the garden? He made a man and a woman, which we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. Marriage is also this thing called a covenant. Have you all ever heard of the term covenant? It's not just something you do between two. Now, all of a sudden, you did it between three. You've involved the Lord in it. It's a permanent promise. It's not a contract. It's not something I know we have to go. My oldest daughter just recently got married, and she had to go and somewhere in, I forget the county in South Carolina, because there's only 14 people that live in it, I think. But you had to go and do what? You had to get a license and fill it out and send it in. It's not a contract between you and the state. No, no, we have to do that because of where we live, but that's not the purpose of it. And uh, marriage is more uh, than a device to suit our own needs. It exists for a bigger purpose. So let's turn, where do you think we'll turn to look at the first scripture at tonight? Anybody got a guess? Genesis, great, Genesis chapter two. So Genesis chapter 2. And what I'm going to do tonight, because I'm not quite blind, but I'm getting closer and closer every day, I'm going to ask my my lovely wife to uh, read verses 18 through 24, if you will, please, honey. She likes to read out loud, too. She's really good at it, so she does a lot of things.
1: And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one <coughs> flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed.
0: Yeah, I didn't want you to read that verse yet. You know, I don't want everybody to get all woo. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, all those. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. Uh, please note here. I want to ask a question. What day did this happen on? We're going to talk about creation, right? It's important to put it in context, right? Because so we read chapter one. If you read chapter one, it tells us there's how many days in creation? Forty thousand million billion years, right? Mm-hmm. Those are how many?
1: Seven.
0: Or seven, right? So where does this occur? Six. Day six, because on day seven, what happened? Rest. God rested, but when he rested, he said what? It's good. He didn't say it was good, though, Donnie. What else did he say? He said it's real good, right? I mean, he didn't just say, because every other day, he said it was good. But when he rested, he looked back over all of it and said, man, that, that's, that's real good, right? So this is on day six. We see Adam doing what on day six? Working, right? Why? Curse of sin? Is that what we have to work? No. no. Why is he working? God told him to. That's his. we designed him to do yeah. right. Men are designed to do what? Take care. Work, right? We're designed yeah. to be involved. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Take
1: care of our spouse.
0: hmm well, He don't even have one here yet, right? No, but he's learning. He's learning. <laughs> <laughs> he's learning by taking care of animals, right? So Yosio ain't married yet. If you get a dog, it helps. Well, not necessarily. No, we don't get. Go but, but God's also teaching him a lesson. Right? He's out here showing him creation Showing all that he's made And when Adam gets done over here He's looked at all these animals all everything, And he goes There's something wrong Did God make a mistake? <coughs> no He allowed Adam to do what? Be, of it. be aware of his need He had a need yeah. And where did Adam go? Did he go watch Oprah? Yeah. No Did he Google? What should I do next? Where did he go to? He went to the Lord. When we have a need in our life, where do we go, church? Do we Google? Do we talk to somebody? When we have an overwhelming need like that in our lives, we need to do what? We need to go to God. These verses are showing that Adam, you know what? He needed a companion. He needed a helper. He needed an equal. In the scriptures, it's called where a woman is a helpmeet. And some people take that as a negative. You know who else is referred to a helpmeet in the scriptures? God himself. God steps in where we can't do things, and he fills it in in areas we can't. And we need that in our lives. Adam was incomplete without someone to compliment him, not because he was alone, but to compliment him and doing what God told him to do, which was to? Well, he told him to multiply, subdue the earth. He had a big job ahead of him, right? Did that job end in the garden? Who still has it today? Me and you, right? Fortunately, I know what Donnie's told me several times. He needs us to do that so he can get some social security continuing. So we all have that going right, right? Uh, uh, But Adam was incomplete without someone to compliment him in fulfilling the task of filling, multiplying, and taking dominion over the earth. This points to what? Adam's inadequacy, not Eve's insufficiency. Doesn't go that way. Woman was made by God to meet man's deficiency. He wasn't complete until that was done. And then after that, what happens? Day seven, right? And God says what? Man, that was real good. All of it. All of it was real good. Note the emphasis here. I want to make sure I point this out. As somebody that's been married for more than a couple years, I think it's an important part that it says in the Scriptures. We're going to actually look at the New Testament because Jesus talks about some of this as well. It says the, response of, uh, the emphasis on leaving and joining or cleaving to your spouse. When you think of a cleaver, what do y'all think of? Yeah, or I think of, you know, the beaver. You can think of that if you're old. I know one of, like five other people might know who the beaver is. But a cleaver is something that actually is separating something, right? He's saying, hey, you know what? I've made something and I've put the two of them together, joining them together. No longer are you part of, even though, you know, who's Adam and Eve's mom and dad? God really is, right? He's saying, I'm putting you together as a unit, a unit for you to go. Now, the responsibility when you leave and cleave, do you need to quit honoring your parents? When does that stop? I think there's a place out back for us, right? They have a little stone that goes up, right? now, It does not stop. It doesn't cease with leaving, but it represents the inauguration of a new and primary responsibility. All of a sudden, your responsibility here has changed, and now you're responsible to this individual, right? One flesh entails a complete unity of parts making a whole. How many of y'all have ever got a jigsaw puzzle in a sandwich bag with no picture? Is it easy to build? No, especially if it's one of them 5,000 pieces, and half the time there's only 4,000, or there's 5,025 pieces, you know? It's very difficult, right? One flesh is, well, guess what? Every part is being completed whole with those two people as one. Note here at the end, they were shameless and innocent here. Neither had any knowledge of evil. I don't know about y'all, but when I think about heaven some days, I think about being with Jesus, I think about all that, but I think, you know what? I'm never going to have to worry about having a sinful thought in my brain. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Sometimes, the older you get, you think about weird stuff like that, but I think about, wow, I don't even know how that would be because on a daily basis, what are we doing contending? We're fighting with that, right? But in this context, they had no knowledge of evil, zero Eve here is a unique gift from God to Adam because she was created differently than every other animal and even Adam. How was she made here? Every other thing else, God did what? Looks like some fish. Bam, there's fish. Right? Everything, he just spoke it by the power of his word and guess what happened? It all of a sudden came to be. All of a sudden now, Eve though comes along and she's created from man, not out of the dust of the ground or out of God speaking. She's made differently. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I have a question. Sorry, yes, sir. Let's see if this is true or not. As as the beast of the field, of birds and everything was uh, was made by God. He brought them before Adam and what did Adam do. He named them. Right? Mm-hmm. So after he brought Eve, after he took the Eve from the side of him and made the woman. I think I heard that Adam said, whoa, man. He did. And I was almost there. But yeah, yeah that's exactly. We was actually going to get the Hebrew, you know, in there. But I like the oh, whoa, man, God. even better. I think, you know, yeah, he he got out of that deep sleep. Y'all ever had anesthesia and you wake up and you're sort of like, where am I? You know, what's going on? All of a sudden he looks up and he's like, whoa, what, what in the world have you done, God? You did something that I couldn't do on my own. And I like it. It's wonderful, right? So, uh, thank you, Donnie, for that. Uh, the Hebrew word for woman is Isha. Is that said correctly? No, because I don't speak Hebrew. As y'all can tell, I, ain't got a little, I don't know that. And ish is the Hebrew word for man. So notice that all he did was just say that woman is what? It's an extension of man. Because God put the two of them in that relationship. Adam, again, as Donnie mentioned, he had named everything else. Why didn't God name Eve then? Because God made everything and he gave it to who? Dominion. We have dominion over it. And now we're supposed to do what? Carry out God's original plan. Continue to name. Continue to establish his dominion over all, all of the earth. And just as Eve was a gift to Adam, your spouse is a gift from you. I want to get down to receiving your spouse real quick. Like. I want to make sure how many pages I've got because I don't want to get crazy in here. I have a tendency to go over and be long-winded. I don't know how that happened, because I used to not be like that. But as I've gotten older, I've got more to say. So... Receiving your spouse, it means more than just accepting them. It means you embrace the God-given differences He has built into each of you. How many of y'all with your spouse have something that drives you crazy because they do it so much differently than you? Is there other people in your life where you're like, why can't they just get this right? You know why? Because they don't have that in them. I, I, me and Anita went to a marriage conference with Gary Chapman years and years ago, and he said the way him and his wife were is God had made her to where she could open a drawer, and then she... God put him into his life so he could close it, right? There's things where we mesh together, right? God puts the two of us there to receive, to embrace the differences, not try to conform them to how you are. That's not the purpose of it, right? It's like uh, remembering every day that moment you join together at the altar is a special gift to each other. Another thing I want to uh, make you aware of, your spouse is also not your enemy. I don't know if y'all ever had that or not. And he's like, why is this person driving me crazy? Why are they doing everything that works on my nerves? Just as every day we're told to do what? We're daily told to take up our cross and follow Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, daily, you know what we got to do? Thank you, God, for this woman, for this man. Mm-hmm. And for y'all that are single, i want to leave you out. For whoever God's got for you every day, you should be doing what? You should be praying for them. Yeah. Right? There's going to come a point in time and you, those prayers that you've made to God have already sort of paved that way for what's going on, Right? So I want to give just a brief analogy. How many of y'all watch football? Have you ever seen a receiver? He runs a route, right? And the quarterback throws the ball, and he turns and does what? It hits him right in his hands, and what happens? It bounces off, and if you're really good, somebody intercepts it, right? right? So what do you have to do in order to catch the ball? Number one, you have to look at it, right? You have to be focused on it right? Because if not, you're looking at your steps, you're looking at somebody fixing to come and crunch you across the middle. You're probably not even going to see it, right? You have to be focused on it. You have to look it into your hands. And doing that requires what? Concentration, right? We can't be maybe swayed or distracted by other things. For those that don't have children, you don't know about that either, but we'll, we'll get to that later, right? So you need to make sure that you're concentrated. You need to make sure you keep it all the way until it's in your hand and you tuck it away, right? We need to make sure that we do the same thing when we're receiving our spouses. We need to focus and concentrate on them, keeping our eyes on them all the way until you're both tucked away. Uh, In Matthew 19 and in Mark 10, Jesus brings us up, but we're not going to go there. You can if you need to. Matthew 19, (coughs) verse 5 and Mark 10, 7. But Jesus goes all the way back to right here. You know what he's doing to the Pharisees? He's reminding them, God's plan ain't changed none. All this stuff you've talked about since then might be what you've talked about, but God, my God, he hasn't changed any. Right. He instituted man, he instituted woman, and guess what? He put them together, and I want to just make sure today, he still ain't changed. Nope. I don't care if you want to be Adam and Steve or whatever's going on today. That ain't right. and ain't God's plan. Amen. And, I, you know, well, Johnny, I like that, man. I got an yeah. amen. Woo, right? <laughs> God's plan hasn't changed. And guess when it's going to change? Yeah. It ain't going to. So guess who needs to conform to it? We do, right? So we need to make sure we understand that. So I want to go to Ephesians 5 real quick, like, and then I think I'm actually going to be right on time today. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to come back to this passage a couple of times because it's, uh, it's pretty deep. A lot of stuff in here. One of these days, I'm just going to quit being vain and actually bring glasses and wear them, but I can't ever remember to bring them or anything. And half the time, I can't see what the verses are. But Ephesians 5, we're just going to look at 31 and 32 real quick like. Uh, And guess what 31 is? Exactly what we read. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So he quotes Genesis, and then he adds something there, Paul does, about what God's revealed to him. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. He adds another layer to marriage. He's comparing marriage to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. So now all of a sudden in the New Testament, we see another depth to that relationship. Paul is echoing what Jesus said in quoting Genesis and comparing the Christ and the church. And we're going to look at that in depth in the weeks to come. Okay? So tonight... I've got four takeaways. Number one, if you're married, you need to receive your spouse as God's perfect gift to you. Yeah, warts and all. Some of y'all ladies look at your husbands and go, really, that's, that's a perfect gift? Yeah. Stephen is the perfect gift for you, Sharon. I'm sorry. I mean, it's, it, no, it's true, right? That's God's perfect gift to you. We need to choose to believe that your spouse is not your enemy. When things aren't going your way... When things are working on your nerves, you need to make sure this person is not doing this just to spite me. And if they are, you need to pray for them. I was going to say smack them, but no, we need to pray for them, right? We must must renew our commitment to the permanency of marriage. We live in a society where everything's easy and everything's tossed away. Not so in the church. Not so in the kingdom of God. We need to renew our commitment because that commitment we talked about a little earlier. We call it what? A covenant, right? We've involved somebody besides the two of us in this role. And the last one, we need to affirm that the primary purpose of our marriage is to reflect the glory of God. How are generations behind you going to look at your marriage? How are they going to look at your relationship? Was God glorified in it, or were you glorified in it? Pretty important, actually, because that's a great question for us to ask as individuals as well. When we look back towards the end of our life, and the closer I get, the more I look back, I think, well, hold on. At the end of my story, who's going to be talked about? Me? I I ain't did much, right? (coughs) So that's the purpose tonight. So who designed marriage? Let me ask you again. Who designed marriage? Okay. Is it about you? No. No. Okay. So a couple of ways here, and the the small group leaders have this, but some ways to receive and connect with your spouse. One of the greatest ways you can do it is you can read the Word of God together. Mm -hmm. I want you to tell you something. When you actually read it, and I like to read it aloud, Mm -hmm. there's something about... Speaking, You know, it's good to read it as silent too. But I'm saying as a as a couple, read it together. And when you get done, even when you get started, you know what you should probably do before then? Pray together. If you'll pray together, I tell you, it's hard for Satan to tear that down. Prayer is such an important thing. And it's not something we do, you know, man, I'm so glad I've got this McDonald's cheeseburger. Lord, please change it into some kind of nutritious thing that it will sustain me. No, we need to be praying for our spouse. Young people, God... At some point, God's gonna bring somebody in your life. Are you praying for them? Not that they're gonna be something, look a certain way, make a certain amount of money. No, 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 no. Are they gonna be a godly man? Are they gonna love you like Christ loved the church? Fellas, is this gonna be a man, a woman that's like Proverbs 31? Man, her priorities are in order. She's not about all this other stuff, she's about the Lord. That's the things we should be looking at. Most of the time we're so concerned on the external, We forget about what the internal says. Pray together. Journal. I'm not big on writing stuff down, but I found when I do, guess what happens? You go back a year. Man, God's spoken like crazy. He's did all sorts of stuff, and I forgot about it. But when you write things down, it's important. In the Old Testament, whenever God would do something big like open up this big old river, when they got down, what did he tell them? Get some rocks up there. So that way you can not only remind yourself, but you'll tell who? Your children. And your children's children. And sometimes he might even go to that third generation, right? We need to remember what God has done. One of the things we need to do, worship corporately, even when you don't feel like it. I don't know about y'all, sometimes I don't want to come here. Man, everybody look. Now, there's times when, you know what, you just don't feel like being around people. We feel like being isolated. Who does that to us? Is that God? Yeah. There's somebody else that we have an enemy. And his goal is to separate people, right? We need to worship even when we don't feel like it. Be part of a small group. Sunday school is one of the most crucial. You talk about a building block. Marriage is the building block of society. Sunday school really is a building block of a church. The more you have, the more that's engaged, the more this going, the better the church is going to be, right? We need to join small groups. We need to practice some kind of traditions. I know when we first got married and had kids, on Christmas, you know what we would do? We'd make Jesus a birthday cake. Why? Cause who was important? And I was one of those people. I ain't gonna lie to you. I told him Saint Nick was this old guy, and he died. You know, maybe some of y'all was kid. Gracie, I'm sorry. I me too. no. You know, I never told him about that. You know why? Cause I wanted it to be about who? Yeah. There wasn't no rabbit jumping around with some kind of whatever. I mean, what in the world are we doing here, folks? Easter's about what? A risen Savior. Hallelujah. And we're over here doing what? Looking at Easter eggs? My goodness gracious. No, folks. No. We need to have some traditions that we establish. In our families where we're going towards God. Another thing was very important. I think attending a marriage conference or a weekend together for, for couples is important every year, every two years. I recommend every year. Family Life Today, I know me and Linda went to one. There's some great organizations that have some great, great material. They can sit down, and it's important when you can get away from your life. Jesus would do what with his disciples? They would do what? He would go and talk to all these people, and then he'd go and sit down and talk to them, and he'd do what? I gotta go here and spend some time with my father, right? We all need some time away from the hustle, the bustle, the normal things in life, because that share, sometimes it tells us the areas that we're missing in, the areas we've missed. And sometimes it brings to mind some good things, right? I had to go to Tijuana this week, and I'm thankful for living in the United States of America. I know about y'all. God revealed that to me, right? Embrace the Holy Spirit and let Him to work in your life. We need to understand that, guess what? Again, it's not about us, and God has a plan. And God only has a plan, He has a great comforter. And he has a great, the holy hound of heaven, as we, a Spurgeon called the Holy Spirit, to help us do what? Listen and obey, right? We need to make sure that we're going after that. And another thing, just the last one, and I'll be quiet. Actually, i got two more things because I gotta, can't shut my mouth. Ask for help when you need it. Y'all ever do stuff and it's like, man, this is really tough? Hey, hey, y'all? It's great today, church. Man, this is sucks, right? We do what? We Grumble and stumble through, and we never ask anybody for help. The church is not the Lone Ranger. Tonto is not Rinaldo. No, the church is a community that is designed to help each other. That's what we're here for. The last point I want to make, and we're going to go to a small group, one of the best words, that I think, of advice we've had in our marriage, don't give up. We're so easy to say, well, I guess this wasn't meant to be. Hang in there. It is a marathon after about 14 yards. like, Man, this is, this is hard, right? This ain't what I thought. Guess what? Think different. You are wrong. <laughs> Think about what this says. Hang in there. Right. Don't worry so much about making someone else into something you want. Figure out how to make yourself into the man or woman that God wants you to be. Yeah. And guess what God will do? He'll work on somebody else. Mm-hmm. All, right? all right? So what we're going to do here, I'm going to ask all my single folks, We're going to go into Bowman's class right around the corner here because we need to keep this classroom here. And then I would ask, married folks, I'd ask half of you to volunteer. If not, we'll have to come back and ask some. But we'd like to have half of you here and half of you over right across the hall in Mark's class. And what we're going to do basically is we're going to talk and ask questions. And I'll do this on the boardroom clock. So when we ask a question, right, that's a question, Mark, right? The point of asking a question is for somebody to do what? hallelujah y'all got it all down right so the point of this is for y'all to talk a little bit i want to make sure i want to encourage you one other thing this ain't the place to spill all the stuff on your spouse or what's going on in your life lots of folks here if you need somebody to talk to let one of the small group leaders let me know let one of our staff know there's people that care about you you know there's place for that i don't know if i'd recommend it here right this is a place to talk about what we've learned and what we're going to do okay i'm going to pray then we're going to divide up y'all ready Father, again, thank you for marriage. Thank you for these folks, God. I'm so, just blesses my heart, God, to see so many many people that are engaged and willing, God, not just to learn about what you say, God, but to actually do something about it, God. Thank you for them and their willingness here. I pray for our small group time, God. I pray that you, God, would be glorified. More than anything else that's said or done, I pray, God, that you would receive glory in this time. Lord, help us as we talk and discuss to be open, to be honest. And God, uh, if some folks need some time to talk to other people, God, I pray tonight would be the time they seek it out amongst each other. God, thank you again for all this you do in Christ's name. Amen.